Hey, CBD is a topic that's popped up a lot recently. Do, do you know a lot about it? I, I got to admit, I, I don't. To know more about it, you need the latest information about CBD and, and really how it'll affect your patients during treatment. The problem is there's so much information out there and so little time, which made me feel confused and a little overwhelmed. Finding the right information, as we know, can be daunting, which is why our friends at your CBD store have done the work for you. Here's what you should do. Go to cbdrx4u.com, check out their educational links, their information, and then be able to speak confidently and clearly about the effects of CBD that your patients might be experiencing when you're working with them. So go to cbdrx4u.com and you can stop feeling overwhelmed if your patients are using CBD in their daily lives and start feeling confident that you've got the latest accurate information about CBD. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. Like craft beer for your ears. This is the PT Pinecast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 2021 Foundation for Physical Therapy Research Donor Networking Reception. Virtual, of course. This annual event honoring foundation donors and recognizing award recipients is a great tradition. I'm physical therapist and foundation trustee, Jimmy McKay. Our guests tonight all have a special connection to the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research and supporters like you who make our funding and mission possible. Feel free to say hello if you're watching this stream live on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. We'd like to see where our viewers and followers are around the country and around the world. Those who donate to the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research help fund grants, scholarships, and fellowships. These investments will go on to yield exceptional research that helps us learn about the efficacy of physical therapy practices, pioneer breakthrough treatment, and build the evidence base to define the value of physical therapy. Tonight is a celebration of these two groups, donors and researchers, as well as an opportunity for you to become involved in our mission in a few easy ways that we'll share with you tonight. The mission of the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research is to fund research and develop researchers to optimize movement and health. Let me welcome our first guest tonight, the president of the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research Board of Trustees, Paul Rocker. Paul, welcome to the welcome to the show. This is how we're, we're doing everything these days. Welcome to the virtual uh, reception. Thank you, Jimmy, and thank you all of you for joining us tonight. We'd like to begin by thanking you, our donors, our sponsors, and Marquette Challenge student fundraisers. You're investing in the future through physical therapy research. We'd also like you to please join me as well in thanking our title sponsor for tonight's event, Hipso CNA, for their generous support. We'd also like to congratulate our 2020 award recipients. We believe these awardees are among the brightest aspiring researchers today and that they are positioned to help meet the needs of the profession and of the patients we serve. We'll recognize them throughout tonight's event. I'm also proud to announce that the foundation reached a major milestone in 2020. Since 1979, we have funded more than $20 million in grants, scholarships, and fellowships. That's just incredible. We owe our thanks to the people and partners who made it possible like all of you. We'd also like to acknowledge the American Physical Therapy Association for their support of our work. We recently formalized a partnership agreement that'll help us continue to grow. 
APTA has been our leading donor throughout our history, sharing our vision for what research can do for the profession. This strengthened relationship will provide the support the foundation needs to continue funding physical therapy research using that same independent review process that we've used for years. Now, I'd like to help Jimmy introduce our first guest by talking a little about the foundation's largest ever grant to date. The Center on Health Services Training and Research was originally established with a five-year foundation grant of $2.5 million in 2015. In 2020, the foundation extended funding for CoStar, our largest grant ever, effectively doubling the original grant duration of this groundbreaking effort through year 10. We're especially proud of this initiative and that it's a big step forward, providing evidence for the value of physical therapy. And that health services research also helps position physical therapy within the larger healthcare system. With that, I'd like to turn it back to Jimmy. And Jimmy, would you like to now welcome our first guest, please? Let's do that. Thank you, Paul. At the top of the show, uh, I mentioned that part of the foundation's mission is not only to fund research, but also develop, develop researchers to optimize movement and health. Let's welcome our first researcher to the show. She recently completed a postdoctoral fellowship of the foundation-funded Center on Health Services Training and Research at Brown University. She is currently a clinician scientist at the Mongan Institute for Aging and Serious Illness at Massachusetts General Hospital. Her research focuses on the function, frailty, and outcomes for older adults with serious illness. A special foundation for PT research. Welcome to Tamara Keeney. Tamara, welcome to the live stream. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about uh, your research and what you're looking at. For sure. Yeah. So as you said, my research focuses on the associations between functional limitations, frailty, and healthcare outcomes for medically complex older adults. And so in my doctoral and postdoctoral training, I developed a lot of skills in working with large data sets, um, you know, survey data sets and administrative data sets. And so what we found is that many older adults who are medically complex living with conditions such as heart failure often have high levels of functional limitations and hospitalizations that aren't always best addressed um, or addressed to the best of our ability in post-acute care settings. And so as an early career investigator, I'm really trying to translate some of those findings from my work into more clinically oriented research where we're looking at optimizing rehabilitation delivery for older adults with heart failure who are hospitalized in our healthcare system. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for doing that for our profession and for the older adults. Um, mm -hmm. Let's ask a little more specific. How does working with an interdisciplinary team change how you approach research? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think um, it's really important for us to break out of our silos um, of rehab and then, uh, you know, physicians working in medicine and economists, et cetera. Um, through my CoStar fellowship, I really had the opportunity to work within a diverse group of individuals um, and with various backgrounds and training and expertise. And so, you know, for me, it's really important that rehab professionals are trained in research methods so that we can bring our skills to the table in a very effective manner. Um, and then also combine those with the skill sets and interests of others to really come up with novel uh, strategies for looking at these questions, either in large data or clinical trials. Uh, because when we have everybody at the table, that's when the magic happens and how we can best serve our patients. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, you did allude to uh, to CoStar and uh, their their influence on your work. Before we let you go, uh, can you share some of your experience as a CoStar fellow? What's one thing maybe you'd want the audience to know about CoStar 
and what it's allowed you to accomplish. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think one of the well, one of the best things about CoStar fellowships are the wealth of opportunities, not only for training, but for connecting and collaborating with other researchers, not only in rehab, but also in health policy and health services research. So for me, I really kind of relished the opportunity to be kind of really embedded in one of these environments where I was working with a lot of economists, epidemiologists, social scientists, et cetera, to really expand my horizons and uh, the way I approach different questions. And so, you know, it gave me a really healthy understanding for health policy, which I hadn't yet had in my training so far, um, and gave me a really great overview of what it means to be in a very diverse uh, team-centered environment. So it was wonderful. I highly recommend it. Outstanding. Uh, Tamar, thanks so much for, for stopping by and taking the time to share some of it with us. We'll share the links so the audience can find out more about the work that you're doing following this broadcast. Thanks so much for stopping by, Tamar. Thank you. Uh, if you'd like to help continue research like this, no gift is too small. To make a gift right now on your mobile phone, just text FPTR to 41444 to help fund physical therapy research through the foundation, text FPTR to 41444. Let's take a look at some numbers. In 2020, the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research reached the milestone of funding $20 million in research since its founding in 1979. That's 41 years ago. In 2020, uh, we awarded $212,000 in fellowship and scholarship funding to 12 promising physical therapist researchers. The awards will help these new investigators begin their research careers and complete their doctoral studies. Let's take a look at some of those right now. The 2020 Pods 1 recipients included Ellen Sutter, the University of Minnesota, recipient of the Patri uh, Patricia Leahy Award made possible by the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy. Allison Miller, University of Delaware, funded by the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy as well. Valerie Schumann, University of Pittsburgh, funded by the Legacy Scholarship Fund. Andrew Post, University of Iowa, made possible by the Bella May Fund. And Andrew Wagner, the Ohio State University, funded by the Viva Erickson Fund. The 2020 Pods 1 recipients funded by the APTA Scholarship Fund are Jeffrey Conrad, Washington University, St. Louis, and Kristen Johnson, University of Iowa. The 2020 Pods 2 recipients include Julie Mazzarella, The Ohio State University, recipient of the VCU Marquette Challenge Award, named in honor of the student-led Marquette Challenge, funded by the Phoebe Romberger Fund. Emma Basheim, University of Delaware, funded by the APTA Scholarship Fund. Rachel Biken, the Ohio State University, funded by the Academy of Neurologic Physical Therapy through the Foundation's Neurology Endowment Fund. And Sarah Schwab, University of Cincinnati, funded by the Phoebe Romberger Fund. If you'd like to help continue research like this, no gift is too small. Make a gift right now. I know you've got your cell phone somewhere close at hand. Uh, use that and just text FPTR to 41444. That's text FPTR to 41444 to help fund physical therapy research. Let's move on and bring out another researcher. Every day, we're learning more about the important connection between conducting new research 
and talking about new research. Our next guest is not only conducting newsworthy research, he's also helping to get the word out to PTs and other allied health professionals. He's the recipient of the Illinois Physical Therapy Association Emerging Leader Award and the Academy of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary PT Emerging Leader Award. You could say he's emerging. He's emerged. Uh, currently, he's working on a PhD in rehabilitation science at the University of Illinois at Chicago with a focus on cardiorespiratory physiology and obesity. He's received a 2019 doctoral scholarship from the foundation. Let's welcome Rich Severin to the broadcast. Rich, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jimmy. Uh, let's start out, uh, Rich, with something that you tweet every single day, and I'll say this, peace <laughs> with you, Rich. Hey, man. Absolutely. Peace with you, too. Putting out with you. Putting out the uh, the good vibes. Uh, Rich, let's, let's start here. In the early months of the pandemic, you published research in the American Journal of Medicine that hypothesized that impaired respiratory muscle performance, which is linked to poor baseline health, is an underappreciated factor contributing to poor outcomes in patients with COVID-19. First, how are you able to respond to the pandemic and publish this work so quickly? And also, what do you think needs to change in screening patients today? Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, great, great question. So, uh, you know, with being very familiar with this area of research, this is the focus of my doctoral studies, um, that patients with obesity have impairments in respiratory muscle performance. And then we're looking at those outcomes as they were evolving, as the pandemic was evolving, that uh, it, it just seemed very similar, right? So, and, and realizing how infrequently these muscles are screened, um, that we, we proposed this hypothesis. And fortunately, and we'll talk about this a little bit today, a little shameless plug for my talk later tonight, um, is that this, this hypothesis is growing in support as new research has emerged, identifying specific changes to the respiratory muscles in patients with COVID. All right, to something else that's near and dear to your heart, uh, vital hashtag, excuse me, hashtag vitals are vital. Tell us a little bit about the hashtag vitals are vitals campaign if someone hasn't stumbled across it uh, on social media and some of your work and research in talking about the role of PTs in screening for cardiovascular disease. Yeah, so the vitals are vitals campaign, uh, following a similar trend to what we did with bariatrics, it came out of questions that I had in the clinic. You know, I had completed a cardiopulmonary residency and we were screening blood pressure and heart rate on every patient went to do an orthopedic residency and pretty much, uh, you know, all of our patients there had underlying, you know, hypertension, diabetes, obesity. And I'm like, we weren't taking blood pressures. And I just thought it was just kind of strange. And, you know, that led to a catchy social media campaign, a few papers, and of course, there's great resources. So if you're looking for resources on how to, uh, how to screen effectively, how to interpret, check out the Academy of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Physical Therapies, Vitals or Vitals campaign. It's on our website. We have a YouTube channel. Everything is free. And open, open access and publicly available. So yes, yeah, it's, it's one of the great, it's a pretty, it was a pretty great campaign. So it's awesome to see how the professions embraced it. Yeah. I think you paid attention to the audience and you listened to how they communicate and speak, right? It's the hashtag world right now. Yeah. And uh, you piggybacked on that for, for a good cause. Uh, yeah. Also want to say congrats from one podcaster to another on the cardio PT journal podcast. Uh, how do you see the connection between media? I mean, what we're doing right now, even a pandemic, I think connections is something that people were reaching out for. How do you think the connection between media and research will evolve in the next one, three, five, ten years? Well, you know, I think this is an example of how, how of how it's evolving, right? Giving people the opportunity uh, to talk about the research in a, a non-threatening kind of you know manner, um, where we're able to get information out in a 
in an open, democratized format and in a consumable format, right? I mean, most people, I'll never forget the first paper I published. I got feedback from an editor saying, hey, you need to scale this down. It was a cardiology journal and that we were going too deep into the physiology. Um, and the same would be true for any publication getting out to the public. So I, I think these sort of formats are great because they give everyone an opportunity to kind of uh, hear what's going on. And for the foundation, for example, it's, it's supported by donations from the profession. It'd be great for those recipients to have a better understanding of what their, their dollars go to support. So I'm, I'm all about um, democratization of information. Yeah, sharing it and making sure people can see where that that mission is going to. And Absolutely, it, it begins and ends with people. You know, we we led with uh, with Tamara. We're coming up with you. People seeing this and hearing in your own words, it's great. Rich, uh, thanks so much for stopping by. We appreciate all the work uh, that you're doing. And uh, hashtag vitals are vital. Hey, peace be with you, man. <laughs> peace be with you as well, Rich. Uh, again, we do want to remind you if you're looking to help the foundation and you want to do it right now, why wait? Uh, text FPTR for Foundation for Physical Therapy Research to 41444. It is just a text message away. What isn't a text message away these days? So uh, take a look at that. And uh, no gift is too small. Our next guest, uh, guest tonight on the broadcast is known to many in the PT community through his work with APTA and the Physical Therapy Journal. He completed his postdoctoral fellowship in epidemiology of aging at the Yale School of Medicine. He's currently at the University of Maryland School of Medicine, and he's the recipient of three foundation scholarships and the 2019 Health Services Pipeline Research Grant made possible through a generous donation from the American Physical Therapy Association. Let's welcome Jason Falby. Jason, welcome to the live stream. Hey, great to be here. Jason, let's start out by what you're working on most recently. What's your current line of research? Sure. Um, so right now, my, my research really focuses on aging in place as a broad concept for older adults. So how can we support older adults who are recovering from catastrophic injuries or illnesses like um, being in the ICU or mechanically ventilated or experiencing a hip fracture? Um, how do we keep them at home and not in nursing homes? And physical therapy is a part of that. And also there's you know clearly interdisciplinary components of how do we promote this high quality aging in place, getting people equipment and making sure they can get out in the community and participate effectively. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, you recently began a three-year term on the Patient Safety Standing Committee for the National Quality Forum. Exhale. First off, congratulations on that. Why is it important to have a physical therapist uh, input in that role? Yeah, it's a great question. And I will say the National Quality Forum is the, the body that um, accredits or, or signs off on measures that are often adopted by Medicare as quality metrics um, that healthcare systems are measured by. So that might be your readmission or mortality metrics uh, at the health system levels. And often physical therapists are involved in some way in these measures. And I'll give you the example today, we talked about medication reconciliation as a safety process measure. And I think I was the first one to tell this uh, community of mostly physicians and nurses that physical therapists often perform medication reconciliation as part of their traditional home care practice. Um, and that actually led the measure developers to adjust their language and potentially change that in the future for how they measure the metric. So certainly our input and just our visibility is really good in that role to, to show that our scope of practice um, is broader than people may imagine. 
Yeah. Uh, I've heard it many times at a foundation, uh, or excuse me, APTA event. If you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So glad to have a, a PT in that conversation and providing input. Uh, and congrats again on the recent CNN mention of your research in home health rehabilitation in Medicare beneficiaries. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that article um, was part of my work at Yale, where we were looking at recovery of older ICU survivors and how much rehabilitation they get given their severe functional limitations. And so we had home health care data, started to look at uh, how home health care was used for this population, um, given that this that entire subsample was homebound and we would think would have benefited from at least one physical therapy consultation. And what we found was one in every three patients never received a physical, occupational therapy or speech therapy consult. So no rehab services were even consulted. And the most common number of visits that people received was one over 30 days of home health care. Uh, so it certainly raised some attention that despite the physical limitations of many ICU survivors, uh, a lot of them are not getting physical therapy, um, even if it is being provided at home, which is a gap we weren't expecting uh, and certainly something that gained a little bit of relevance with COVID and the increasing um, use of home health care as a substitute for skilled nursing facility care, um, given the dangers of being in those facilities. Yeah. Well, you bring up another topic that's uh, it's difficult not to bring up, which is COVID. Tell mm -hmm. us about your recent work related to the COVID vaccine. Yeah. So I was recently on an event with APTA staff where Maryland recently opened up the Practice Act specifically to allow um, providers that had a, any healthcare license in the state um, to be able to give vaccinations under supervision of nurses. And so our faculty members are participating in vaccination clinics at the University of Maryland in Baltimore and have been working to help healthcare providers and teachers who are on the high priority list for Maryland uh, get vaccinated. I've spent about 10 hours in the last couple of weeks um, in the clinic directly giving vaccinations to patients, uh, which is a, a good extension of our role as PTs uh, and, and a place that we certainly have the ability to help in pandemics. That's fantastic. Thank you for doing that. A couple different examples of you putting the, uh, the profession in some great uh, light and some places maybe we need to be more of. So thanks so much to, uh, to you, Jason. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, don't forget, you can make a text donation right now. No, to no donation too small. If you're liking the information that you're seeing, just a, a sliver of these researchers, a donation for the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research, just a text message away. Text FPTR to 41444. Another example of your donations at work can be seen here. In 2020, the Foundation for Physical Therapy Research funded four new research grants and elected to extend the 2018 Paris Patla Musculoskeletal Grant with an additional $120,000. Let's take a look at some of the recipients from the 2020s uh, year. First up, Adele Mizinski of the Henry Ford Hospital. She was awarded the $40,000 Acute Care Research Grant. It was made possible by a, dona a donation by the Academy of Acute Care Physical Therapy. Up next, Kevin McLaughlin of Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. McLaughlin was awarded the $70,000 Moffitt Geriatric Physical Therapy Research Grant. That award made possible by the Maryland Moffitt Fund for Geriatric Research and a generous donation from Fox Rehabilitation. Kristen Leach of the University of Southern California. Leach was awarded the $100,000 Magistro Family Foundation Research Grant. 
This grant is primarily funded by the Magistro Family Foundation Endowment Fund with additional funding provided by the Guglielmo Fund and the Legacy Research Fund. And finally, Douglas Halliday of the University of South Florida. Halliday was awarded the $40,000 education, education research grant. This grant is generously supported by the Academy of Physical Therapy Education. Just a small example of where your donations are going. And again, you see at the bottom of the screen uh, to, uh, to donate, text FPTR to 41444. Let's bring our final guest of the night. We just mentioned that he was awarded the $40,000 education research grant. In 2019, the APTA Academy of Education made a $500,000 gift to the foundation to fund research. The Education Endowment Fund will support a scholarship in alternating years, and the gift also allows the foundation to award research a research grant every other year beginning in 2020. Our next guest is the recipient of the first ever education research grant. He's the director of the School of Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation Sciences at the University of South Florida. Welcome, Douglas Halliday. Doug, congratulations. Thanks. And welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about your recently funded project. Uh, so the aim of this project is uh, to develop a novel evidence-based practice and trustable, and trustable professional activity. Uh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> used during PT clinical education. These entrustable professional activities um, or EPAs have been widely adopted in nursing and medical education to demonstrate clinical competency. However, we're just now starting to develop and see them um, being developed for use in physical therapy education. Our project will develop and test the feasibility of this new EPA specifically for evidence-based practice in a multi-site study made up of a team of experts from the University of North Dakota, MGH Institute in Massachusetts, and the University of South Florida. Uh, Doug, you've got, uh, you've got some hands in, in different areas, education and research, as well as education research. Why is education research so important? As a profession, we've embraced evidence-based practice for patient care. It's now time for us to really continue uh, to embrace and support evidence through education research and PT programs. There's such a need and opportunity to challenge our current traditions and improve our outcomes through research and in education. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, you've earned awards from Massachusetts General Hospital Institute of Health Professions and Pennsylvania State Hazleton for excellence in teaching and technology. Uh, tell us how you've adjusted to the changes in education that have occurred amid this pandemic. Yeah, um, it wasn't and it isn't easy. Um, the pandemic has pushed us as educators in ways that we've never imagined. Um, we rose to the challenge and adopted and implemented tools and technologies that we never would have considered prior to the pandemic. Um, in addition, as educators, we've become more flexible in thought and in tuned to our students and their personal struggles. Um, the long-term outcomes of these challenges are currently unknown. However, many of our approaches to ed education developed will become our new normal. Um, I hope as the dust settles, we'll continue to push ourselves and improve our educational strategies and outcomes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pivoting and adjusting to education demands a pandemic. It sounds like something that, you know, physical therapists like to pride ourselves on being good at. So uh, glad to see you putting an emphasis on that, Douglas. And congratulations again on the award. Thank you. Uh, we do want to say thanks to everybody who's been commenting on the live stream so far uh, this evening. If you're watching this live, feel free to comment there as well. Uh, and again, no donation is too small. You're hearing just uh, a few examples of that research and your donations at work. So feel free to text them right now. 
uh, in a different uh, in a different light or a different situation, we'd be together in person. Unfortunately, we can't be doing that right now. So no donation is too small. It's only a text message away. Text FPTR to 41444. Again, that's text FPTR to 41444. Let's bring back Foundation for Physical Therapy Research Board of Trustees President Paul Rocker. Paul, welcome back to the program. Great lineup of guests, good examples of where those donations, where your donations go and what different work they're doing. Yes, I want to thank all those donors once again. I think you saw this evening, your generous gifts really make our mission attainable. We really appreciate your generous support. I want to give a special shout out to HIPSO CNA for sponsoring this event tonight and being the title sponsor and also a shout out to APTA for the continued support and partnership. We look forward to working with all of you as donors, as sponsors in the future to make our mission attainable. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good evening. Uh, hopefully sometime in the future, we can uh, maybe do the virtual, but also an in-person uh, safe donor reception. Uh, fingers crossed for that, yes. Paul. We hope so. We hope for, we can all shake hands again and share, share an adult beverage together once again. Thanks. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, thanks so much, Paul. Uh, thank you again, as Paul mentioned to our guests. Uh, learn more about the foundation's work and catch up with current and past funding recipients at foundation the number four pt.org. And again, that text to, to donate. Again, if you're hearing it right now and you're saying, yes, I want to invest in my profession and the research that supports it, uh, text that donation right now. Text FPTR to 41444. We'll post interviews from tonight on the Foundation's Facebook and Twitter feeds. So be sure to follow us at Foundation, the number four PT. That's Foundation, the number four PT on our social media platforms. If you're a member of the Prime Timers group, please reference the new email sent to you by the staff and log into Zoom chat with your colleagues. Thanks again for the audience for coming by, for our researchers and guests for sharing some insight. And thank you to our supporters and our donors. Love the PT Pinecast? Yes. Yes. Support the show by telling a friend or by leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play. All right. Show today brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. Brooks IHL offering continuing education courses in numerous specialty areas, six PT residency programs, an OMPT fellowship, as well as challenging but rewarding internships. The IHL specializes in the translation of information from evidence to patient management, Learn what they can do for you to support your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. ptpinecast.com. Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. To providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at buildpt.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It's poured fresh by me, physical therapist, Jimmy McKay. Ingredients are sourced by our chief connections officer, Sky Donovan from Marymount University. And it's brewed fresh by producer and physical therapist, Juliet Dassinger. And by producer and creator, second year PT student, Bridget Nolan from Sacred Heart University. PT Pinecast is a podcast that saves physical therapists from missing out on amazing insight, remarkable ideas, and motivational stories. Make sure to follow us online 
at PT Pinecast and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I absolutely love you, love you, love you. It's it's awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you found value in the show, all we ask is that you tell a friend. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.